What's Swingin' Nation? Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Fred Moore. Today's podcast interview is with Dan from New Breed Mace up in Lodi, New Jersey. Uh, these guys are the first complete Mace Bell strength and conditioning program out there. Uh, they are the number one resource in the world for Mace Bell training. They call it Mace Bell training because uh, back when this was all sort of coming to fruition, that's what they called it. They looked at it as uh, a kettlebell on the end of a stick, hence Mace Bell. So uh, I did uh, get myself certified through the New Breed Mace Bell system. They were my first certification. Uh, Now I have a lot of certifications from all these other different places, but it was the catalyst that got me going. Um, I really wanted to introduce you guys to Dan and new breed because, um, they have a pivotal part in Mace history. They've done workshops with Rick Brown and, um, a lot of, um, people out there have already jumped on their certification program Luckily, luckily for me, they, they are right here in New Jersey and, and um, they are a gym that I can access and individuals that I could talk to on a regular basis, which is pretty cool. And um, they are super knowledgeable. Dan shares a lot of good stuff. We talk about athleticism, how the mace can help with athletes in just about any sport. They also discuss basically how they came about with their uh, form of MACE training. Um, Metabolic conditioning coaches where they figured out how to put a MACE in people's hands and really give them a sweat-soaked workout. And this is all stuff that they've been using for a while. Uh, Also, Dan talks about how the MACE could be an instrumental help for people who are going through physical therapy issues. Uh, uh, He talks about uh, an individual who had a stroke and started using a mace and and making uh, a lot of uh, good quality gains in their their health and their performance. So we get all into that and, uh, you know, stick through to the show to the end. He uh, tells everybody how to get in touch with them and uh, how to get involved with mace if, if maybe it's something that you're looking into and you don't know where to start so thanks for tuning into the podcast everybody i really do appreciate you i appreciate all my listeners and followers if you could please hit that subscribe button of uh, on the youtube channel follow me on youtube uh plenty more podcasts are coming out it this this has not even come close to being the end and it's only going to get better. So I want you guys to be involved here and I really do appreciate any type of follow that you do. So enjoy the podcast and seeing you at the next one. Yeah. So Dan, you have a, um, awesome gym that I did get a a chance to visit. Uh, what was that over the summertime of 2019? Um, I got up there, I got to see one of your classes going on and, um, and I also uh, am. I have the new breed cert. That was my first mace cert. I got it from you guys, which was a lot of fun learning that stuff. You guys have a very unique style of mace work that I think is fantastic. It's uh, ath- very athletic stuff, and you know, uh, metabolic, right? So you guys are like the metabolic experts, right? Metabolic conditioning experts, I should say. 
Yeah. So um, the complexes, how we put the movements together, um, create a huge oxygen debt. So the, um, the mace, the way we use it, is highly metabolic. Yeah, definitely. Those workouts that I learned on the certification were yeah, – I was dripping sweat, you know. And especially once I started to learn – the movement's better, and it's not hard. You just got to put in a little practice, like anything. Once you know what to do, you could really like jack it up more. You know, you just you just know how to move from one move to the next, and and it's um, just you keep the heart rate going. And I think it's uh, it's like a new way to do cardio to me. Like instead of doing the tired old methods that we think of, like oh, I got to get my cardio going on the treadmill, going on the elliptical. You know, um, it's a great, it's just a great way to get your heart rate up. Yeah. So you, you nailed it. And I remember when uh, you were putting together your complexes, I could tell that you really understood it. Uh, it's about controlling the mace and really working that eccentric movement too, which burns a lot of oxygen as well. Yes, definitely. And that's uh, sometimes the, the one thing that a lot of people rush through, right? When they're working out. Yeah, if you're not controlling the mace, you're just letting it flip around, you're not going to get the full benefit. Um, if you're really controlling it and explosively firing it into the positive positions and controlling the negative positions, it's a huge strength gain benefit along with the metabolic as well. Yeah, definitely. And also it's it's uh, at the same time easier on the joints too than um, some of your traditional weightlifting type stuff where guys are always trying to go heavy all the time. Right. I mean, it's a gr it's a great it's a great way to uh, supplement your training all around because you guys do other stuff, too. Right. Kettlebells, things like that. Yeah, we had started. Um, we were originally, um, I'm going to say maybe 10, 12 years ago, we were one of the first CrossFits, but we ran with um, mostly kettlebells, body weight, sandbags. We weren't uh, Olympic lifting. Then as CrossFit became more, more Olympic lifting, uh, we became New Breed Fitness. Yeah. Uh, about five years ago, we started adding the mace. And so we see the mace as like an extended kettlebell. Uh, the benefits of kettlebell is the weight is away from the handle. So the center of mass is approximately nine inches center mass to the top of the handle. Now imagine um, adding about 30 inches to that. That's the mace where the weight is that far away from the center of mass. Right. So it creates a huge amount of torque. When you control that with your body, it takes a tremendous amount of muscular strength and uh, core musculature to protect the spine and to stabilize it. Yeah, I feel that definitely when I'm using a mace. So how did you guys get started in the fitness industry? It's you and Lily, right? I met Lily, very nice. You guys met yeah. um, and started the gym together. Is that what happened? Yeah, so uh, Lily and I have been together uh, more than 18 years. So um, when we first started, uh, I was teaching martial arts. I was teaching jiu-jitsu. And um, Lily started to uh, train with me. Then she started to help me with the instruction. And then we people became more interested in our fitness aspect, how we did our strength and conditioning, more than um, the fighting itself. Okay. So we kind of split off. And uh, Lily started the fitness first. We started a 21-day program where we showed people uh, how to do strength and conditioning. And
Freeze frame. Dan, you there? Oh, I think we lost you. Yeah, uh, can you hear me? Yeah. All right. You are. We see you. You're moving. All right. Let's. Yeah. Start all over again. <laughs> oh, okay. No worries. The, spl- the split. Um, in, yeah. People. You split the the fitness with the uh, fighting stuff. Yeah, they were more interested in uh, looking like fighters than um, being fighters. Yeah. So. More people really wanted the the health benefit, the strength and conditioning. So they were interested in how we worked out. Um, We started a 21-day program. Uh, Lily ran that for probably the first year by herself, and that program took off. People were making uh, such huge changes, uh, not only in their physique, but how they felt in the first three weeks of training with her. And she would do 10 private sessions over those three weeks. Um, a bunch of uh, people started recommending us, and then that program took off. Wow. So this is uh, – she did this for a full year, and it was just basically a 21-day program that was just kept getting re-upped every 21 days. So the people yeah. the people and who early, did okay. – The yeah, people who did – Early on, um, uh, you know, we didn't know how successful it was going to be, so we really didn't have a business plan. People would finish the three weeks. Yeah. And they'd be like, all right, I want to do another three weeks. But – we weren't ready for that. So we eventually started semi-private training people in small groups after they finished the 21 day program. And then, um, as time went on those groups, they didn't want to work out separate. They wanted to work in bigger groups. So then we started a little bit bigger groups as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. So they were fighting, they were finding that the, the, the group workouts were just more fun and probably, um, they were, they felt like they were seeing their friends and stuff. They wanted to do something together in a, a community type setting. Absolutely. And you'll always train harder if there's someone else in the room. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a natural thing. You see somebody else going hard, you're going to go hard. Yeah, definitely. I, I've seen that myself many times. That's absolutely a, a, a truth right there. And um, I, I was looking on your website. It says uh, something about a 20-day program. Is this is this similar to what you guys, uh, what Lily did back in the day, or is this something new? Yeah, we had done a little bit longer. We had done a 30-day metabolic program. Um, but okay. our onboarding to have someone come in, three weeks is still the standard. Our 21-day program is still the standard. Right. Um, it really teaches the person um, not only the discipline of making it to the gym and working out because someone's there waiting for them, Boom. but the discipline of starting to eat better for three weeks straight. Right. If someone does something for three weeks straight, uh, it'll become a habit. And then there's a very good chance at that point they'll continue and make it part of their lifestyle. Yeah, nice. And do, do you guys help with their diet program, or is that something you just kind of recommend something? Yeah, uh, Lily does. Um, she uh, goes over their whole program, not only um, not only just what to eat, but how much protein they should have, um, where they should be getting their carbohydrates from. She goes over the whole thing with them, and she even goes over their schedule with their day, like, what time their lunch is, what time their breakfast is, so that they can really lay it out like a blueprint ahead of time. Oh, that's terrific. Is there um, any, like, support for that as the person, like, throughout the week, does the person have access to any support? Um, so, you know, our clients, um, when they come on, a lot of times uh, they have our they have our cell numbers. Yeah. And um, they have to sometimes, if they're if we're, if we're being really strict with them, they have to text us what they're eating and when they're eating it. Oh, I love that. You know, that's great. I got to applaud you guys on that 
right there because you're you know you're you're really going deeper with your clients there, which you're just showing them the love and the love the what you guys are doing, you know, your passion for fitness. A lot of a lot of times people don't want to be bothered with that, you know, like they just want to close the door, go home, put the TV on, hey, I worked hard all day, I don't need but here you are you know, requiring your clients to step up to the plate and send you a text message. I, I, I got to applaud you on that. That's great. Uh, I appreciate it, brother. Yeah, man, definitely. You know, you know, you know, you know how much better they're going to feel in three weeks if they stay with it. So if you can get yeah. them through that first three weeks, um, then the sky's the limit for them. But that's that's where the failure rate is high during the first three weeks. Yeah, right. It's easy for a person to fold and, and just go back to their their old ways, right? Absolutely. If you could push them across the goal line for the first three weeks, uh, you probably up their chances of getting to where they want to get by eighty percent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, uh, you know, you you know, I'm a fireman, and uh, one of the things I I liked about your gym, and you know, I I first discovered you on social media, and you're in Lodi, New Jersey, which is not far from where I work. I, I I'm in Elizabeth, where I work, and. Being a fireman, I'm always looking for gyms that could help me be a better fireman. And I, I'm always looking at functional fitness and what functional training I could access. And um, it seems like a lot of different places have different definitions, I guess, of what functional training is, right? So uh, to be functional training and what do you guys offer? from the question to, to tell you how it was kind of drummed into my head uh, uh, about 10 years ago um, I was still grappling a lot but every couple of weeks when I would grapple if someone pulled on my head pulled on the back of my head my lower back would go out oh wow and, um, and it kept happening it was it was becoming like chronic so um, and I used to teach seven eight privates a day and I was wrestling all day long so it was really hindering me one day uh, I'm on the mat and, and I'm trying to get myself off the mat and I, I felt my back go out again. And in this was our first gym that we opened. It was this little 700 square foot place. Um, one of my mentors from when I was younger, the guy who first taught me about weightlifting and bodybuilding and nutrition back when I was in sixth, seventh grade. I mean, I was real young at the time. This guy, I haven't seen him in over a decade, comes walking into my gym to see my new gym and, you know, we just start talking and he's like, Hey, what's wrong with your back? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just, you know, every time I grapple, if someone pulls me wrong, my back keeps going out. I said, I think I, maybe I have a problem with a disc or, you know, maybe from doing, you know, jujitsu and judo so long. And he said, well, what kind of uh, workouts are you doing? I said, you know, the same thing you taught me back in the eighties. I mean, uh, you know, I bench press, I do chest and back and, and he goes, okay, well, listen, things are changing, you know, um, especially in athletics. I said, you know, so he said, he used to train athletes, so he says to me, let me show you a couple exercises and do a couple of tests. So he had us, um, you know, literally jumped in, and we, we did some single-leg reaches, like reaching for a cone and some balance exercises and some uh, exercises that were kind of like planks and crawling. And he, he told me, he said, you're not hurt, you're just weak. Yeah. So he was like, you know, you've been segmenting your training, which is fine, that's the way we were taught, but – as time went on, you have to work chains of muscles. And that was the first time I was introduced that no one was talking about that. And um, he gave us a list of uh, coaches to look at. He said, these guys will be the top guys in the industry. 
in the next five years. Right now, you may not have heard of them. He said, but they'll be the top guys. If they have a seminar, you go to it. If they put out a product, you buy it. And Lily and I did. And it, that's when really we started looking at fitness as different as working chains of muscles and looking at movements rather than exercises. And so that's how functional training for us started. And our, our definition is functional training should be the bridge between your absolute strength in the gym and real world strength, what you're able to actually do in the real world. Yeah. So your training should be the bridge between those two. That would be uh, my best definition of functional training. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. If let's, let's, uh, let's play with this a little bit. There's, uh, there's some firefighters that I know of that are like just jacked dudes that could be, uh, they could be up on a stage, you know, they're doing, um, you know, split routines, right? They're doing hypertrophy workouts. They're doing, they're, they're feeling the burn. They're doing the reps, uh, but sometimes, I mean, they might do a little cardio, right? But it's going to be like, like list style, lo, you know, low intensity, right? Just to, you know, just to manipulate their uh, caloric output so they could stay lean. But then when, when we fight a fire, it's a little bit different. It's very high energy, go, go, go fast right out of the gate. Um, no warm ups or no nothing. Um, and they and they kind of like tank real quick, you know. They they start losing their stamina right away. So if a if a firefighter walked in that had this profile, uh, what what would be the type of training you would put them through to get? So of course they're going to want to stay jacked forever, right? You can't change that. But what can you do to help this firefighter get his metabolic conditioning up? Okay, so first of all, let me. Um let me tell you what an excellent question. And the way you um, the way you laid it out was perfect because it's the problem that a lot of people face. Most of our exercise programs are just kind of um, I don't want to use the word copied, but they're um, they're just offsprings of the original ones that were made in the 50s. Yeah. Um, so they're not really for function. They're kind of just to strengthen individual muscle groups. Which is fine. Um, yeah. We still use traditional exercises, but we kind of got to go above that. So I was answering this question the other day, and there's another component that I think we need to look at is when we're training chains, chains of muscles, there's what we call proprioception. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, the language my brain is using to talk to my body, to talk to my muscles. So training could actually make you smarter, more coordinated, um, reaction time all that should be playing into your training so to give you an example like when you do mace when you do a half moon uh when you do a shovel there's a lot of messages going from your brain to your body so there's a lot going on so same thing like when you go to a fire you're going to swing an axe you're going to um not only the conditioning factor but um the coordination factor using those muscles um to their maximum capacity because you know how to use them together as a unit and not singular individual. When I just build up a muscle by itself, what happens is yes, it's strong in certain ranges of motion, but really what it's doing is just burning a lot of oxygen um, that I'm gonna need uh, to do the task that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So using big chain movements, okay? Like uh, that's why we love the mace. Our eight movement patterns are based off of training a person in all directions. So they're strong in all directions. The metabolic effect of doing five rounds is huge. Um, 
the carryover into their other training is seen immediately in a matter of one or two weeks. So in our programming, I love to have that mace complex, even on a strength day, have that mace complex in there. Even if those guys are bench pressing, doing their pushups, I'm fine. Those are all great exercises, um, but they're a small slice of the pie when it comes to the big puzzle. Yeah. Nice. Um, and and your mace training is very unique. So where did this all come from anyway? How did you develop that mace program that you have? Um, so, you know, originally um, the, the kettlebell was uh, a huge influence on us. We knew the benefits from the kettlebell came from that offset load, the, the weight going away and, and the body being forced to stabilize itself all the time. Yeah. So we wanted to amplify that. So I had um, one day I wanted to, I just, I get these crazy ideas in the morning. And um, as I get older, maybe it's a midlife crisis, but I wanted to know what it was like. Cause I do martial arts to fight a champion stick fighter. And I happened to be scrolling. I found this guy. He was a, a screamer instructor. His name is uh, Sonny Mayo. Mm -hmm. Fantastic guy. And I, I saw he did seminars, so I wrote him and I said, listen, I would really like to do stick fighting and I would like to spar with you. And he was so taken back by it. He even sent a video of him beating somebody up with a stick and said, and is this what you want? Yeah. And uh, I said, yeah, I mean, I, I want to learn, you know, learn too, but I would like to, to spar with you. So he gave me a price. I said, you know, the second I accepted it, I knew like, man, I'm not in condition for this. So uh, that's when I got my first mace and started um, working with it really just for the grip strength. I wanted to get my grip strength back because Kali and Eskrima have a lot to do with uh, grip strength and yeah. hand speed. So uh, I started playing with movements. I started playing with the shovel movement. I started playing with, um, you know, the circle clean, started doing these things. And I started to put them in a complex. The same kind of footwork we would do in functional training, what we were doing before, maybe with dumbbells, um, we were now doing with the mace. And I did it. Now, after a few rounds, um, like you said, the metabolic effect hit me. I, I wanted to go five rounds, but after two or three rounds, man, my heart was shot. Yeah. So um, we had to run out of the building. We had went to uh, the shop, right? The local shop right here. And I'm waiting online and I can still feel like, man, I got a little bit of nausea. I almost threw up online, waiting online. So I was like, man, there's something to the mace. Like there's something there, either that or I'm tremendously out of shape. So um, the next day I made Lily do it. I said, listen, if, you know, if, if Lily feels it, then it's good. If, if, if she doesn't feel it, then maybe I need a checkup. So um, she did a, a complex and she went through the, the four or five rounds. And same thing after 15, 20 minutes later, she's like, oh, my God, I'm still like a little bit nauseous from it. So we knew we were onto something. And then we just kind of whittled down what patterns work the best and to make sure that we were working in all range of motion, the sagittal plane, the frontal plane yeah. and uh, the transverse plane. And that's what all our movements are based off of is moving in every direction, uh, but gaining strength, moving the feet a lot. So you create what we call a dynamic base, being able to move with load. Okay. Yeah. So now basically what you're talking about is filling in the gaps um, with, with the traditional strength training. You're not, you're not necessarily moving in all, in all those planes, especially the transverse plane. So is that how you feel uh, the mace stacks up against traditional weight training? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, um, not, not to uh, offend someone who just does uh, 
regular strength training because a lot a lot up until now is it's what we've known it's all we've known but um you know we're only going to adapt to the information that we give our body the movements are if if our brain is if we take a look as like um if we read this book we're going to become this smart so a basic exercise is is still very basic level you could take you could get tremendous gains from it but it's still at a very basic level so you don't want to just keep feeding your brain the basics you, we need to upgrade so movements that when you're doing it in patterns like that especially with the mace where one side is heavier than the other there's a lot of information going through your body so it's the difference between um i gave the analogy it's the difference between reading dr seuss up until you're 40 years old right okay and you know maybe you know reading uh war and peace so <laughs> yeah you want to give your brain more information than just that so when you program uh you could program one traditional exercise or two traditional exercises but there has to be two or three then functional exercises and uh you use the perfect word to to kind of chain them together to fill in the gaps is really a good word to uh to to use there it really chains them together yeah yeah i'm glad you said that because that's kind of like how i've been looking at it since i've been doing it especially when i pick a day to do my deadlifts and then in between sets of deadlifts i'm swinging a mace and doing 360s or something um where i could open up my chest or whatever um moving in the transverse plane it, it really just makes the whole thing feel more tight and and like there's more being added to my workout without without adding more like abuse to the body like the heavy lifting can do you know it's nothing wrong with it we we, we know that we we have to challenge our strength and everything but yeah it, there's like these little leaks these little areas that need to be filled and it's the moving with a mace seems like the perfect thing but now it is uh similar like you said to kettlebells and kettlebells have been just chugging along right Get, getting a little bit more headway every every day you see it's more widely accepted i guess right now the mace is a little bit kind of the way kettlebell was a while ago people looked at it like what the hell is that stop swinging that thing in my gym get out of here weirdo whatever yeah. but um I, I have a lot of confidence in the mace because of how far the kettlebell has come and i think it's making a big change and how do you feel uh where do you feel the fitness industry is changing and how do you, where do you think it's headed so uh, you know for me i i feel that um like any profession um you know it, it goes through ups and downs um personal training i i don't know what the last numbers were but when we had started 98 percent of personal trainers would not make a full-time income which was a huge number mm -hmm. So, you know, you're going in it with only a 2% success rate. So you have to be really good at what you do. So for me, the future right now is result-based training. The, the trainer that can say, hey, at the end of three weeks, you're going to be down 8 to 12 pounds. You're going to put on 1 to 2 pounds of lean mass. Uh, you're going to go from 3 push-ups to 15 push-ups and deliver results again and again on a consistent consistent basis um that that's the future of the guys that are going to be successful um the mace for me is 
probably one of the easiest ways to program and guarantee those results that um, every base is being covered. So um, at the end of three weeks, when a client comes in, they may only, you know, want to lose 10 pounds, but during that time, they may go from one or two push-ups to 15 or 20 push-ups uh, because of the carryover of everything else that they're doing. That's awesome. Do you feel that people uh, really, like you're mentioning push-ups and push-ups are, you know, like uh, they've been around. People know what push-ups are and everything, right? Do you feel that sometimes people get bored with doing push-ups or is it the way we're, because I mean, it's a gr valuable exercise and it's a great way to assess your, your clients as time goes on, but uh, the enthusiasm sometimes seem low. Is it, is it what the coach is doing? Is it more about how they're steering their client? Yeah. Um, so, you know, and your point is valid with a, with a bunch of exercises. Yeah. He, um, people tend to become bored um, with the basics. So what we do is how we stack them, how we stack those exercises. So um, we may have them go from uh, doing an exercise that either supersets it, like on their bench press day. I think um, my memory, memory serves me. Their numbers were um, six on the bench press, 12 push-ups back to six on the bench press. And, like a um, superset? Try to do that. So if they hit anything near body weight on bench press and were able to hit 12 push-ups and go back and hit another six, that was the goal. Okay. Um, yeah. Especially for our strong benchers. So you, you kind of got to um, put the basic push up in so it helps with the more advanced exercises. Okay. And for my new people coming in, I will count the seconds on the negative, make them do a three second negative uh, on the push up so they're really controlling their body. So they're getting the most out of the push up. But when you set up the push-up, you want to set it up with some type of instruction, not just give a number of this many push-ups because you're going to see um, some variations then that don't even look like uh, fucking push-ups. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You, you, I mean, when you get somebody doing a proper push-up, they are unbelievable exercise. And, and it, you, could, you could only do a few of them when they're proper. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a very humbling feeling, you know. But um, I think – between the mace and doing stuff like push-ups, which are, you know, your body weight exercises, there is such great ground to cover with a client. Um, it, yeah, it's like basic. It's fundamental. It's, um, it's, not, it's not glitzy. A lot of times gyms are trying to, like, impress you. Like, oh, look at our new this and this. And, oh, you can have fun and jump on a box. And how about some... How about we just do some push-ups? Oh, we can't do that because nobody's going to show up to the – who's going to show up and join a gym for push-ups? But it is a valuable exercise. You cannot it's, – it's one of the things – it's like if you have a toolbox, you have a hammer in it. If, you know, it's the same yeah. thing. you got to have certain tools in your toolbox. That's awesome. So now uh, in your years of experience with the mace and you've got clients coming in and out and everything and – transitioning through their life and things happen to them, people get hurt or whatever. Uh, have you witnessed the mace itself and your training methods and everything? Have, have you seen it helpful in prehab slash rehab type uh, situations? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had touched on before about the, the offset load, the weight being on one side, not the other, um, really forces those deep muscles, um, to stabilize the spine. 
So I had a, um, we have a client, long-term client, Grasa, who got into tremendous shape, but then she got into a bad car accident and unfortunately had a, a bad spine injury. Um, two discs were um, really um, messed up. Yeah. So she wasn't supposed to train anymore, but we ran into a situation where this is all she knew. So she would come and sit in the front of the gym and just sit and watch other people train. And this went on for weeks. And she would sit there and just watch and say hello to her friends, but she's not allowed to train. That was it for her. Uh, walking, uh, that was it. That was her gonna be her exercise. She wasn't even allowed to jog. Uh, so one day Jeez. I just said, you know, she looks so depressed. I said, Grassy, you wanna try to do some stuff? I mean, listen, we're friends for a long time. You're not gonna sue me. <laughs> do you wanna try to do some stuff? She's like, yeah, could I? So I gave her a 10 pound mace and she just started going over the basic patterns super slow with the 10 pound mace. After a week or two, I didn't say anything. She moved up to the 15 pound mace, mm. started doing the shovel nice and slow, half moon nice and slow, and started controlling it. All those little muscles started to get stronger. Without saying a word, three to four weeks, she walked into class and just started doing class again, like nothing wow. happened. Wow. Um, now, I don't suggest that people do that. Right. I mean, you're talking to someone that I knew for a long time. Yeah. And um, she was starting to go into uh, a serious depression from not training. Right. Um, I actually, I, I videotaped her training the other night. Actually, I'll send it to you on the side, Fred, so you can see it. And just imagine that this woman was told that she would never exercise again, probably about, mm, about two and a half to three years ago. And I'll show you a video of her training and you would never think that this lady was ever injured. She's like total beast mode now and kick kicking ass. Unbelievable. And you know, she's over 50 years old too. So we're not yeah. talking, Oh, well, you know, someone was 22 years old. Of course you could overcome anything. Um, but I attribute it to that. And now I'm working with a, a lady who's recovering from a stroke and same kind of thing. We're working those patterns slow and, uh, she has limited ability in one of her hands to grab or do anything. But you can see now she's uh, been with us maybe five, six weeks. Yeah. Her ability to exchange the mace from side to side. She could actually catch it um, with the affected hand now. Uh -huh. And um, her movement patterns are getting stronger because the mace kind of allows you to tow the weaker side with you. Technically, you could spot it with the strong hand. Yeah. So you're forcing it to go through those patterns. Yeah. Right. And um, we're seeing tremendous progress with her. So I'm documenting it little by little. But you know what, this could be um, something physical therapists are using on a regular basis. We're talking to some physical therapists now about it. Probably we would have to uh, rubber coat the head of it, make it look less mean. Yeah. Make yeah. it look more fun. Maybe put some happy colors on it Yeah. Uh, before they'll start using them. But um, this could be the way of the future for um, creating these patterns for people to get movement back on the side that's uh, affected by the stroke. Yeah, this is very interesting because I'm not an expert on what they do in PT places, but I have been in them before. I've had to pick up my mother from PT and they got her sitting over in a corner doing nothing. I'm like, what are you doing? She said, well, about 30 minutes ago, they told me to pull on a string <laughs> and I did that and then nobody else came back. But what you're saying is very interesting. So, you know, let, let's kind of like look at it. A person comes in after a stroke and they say, all right, you're going to do this with this arm, and then you're going to do this with this arm. 
And of course, this is the affected arm, right? It's not going to perform as well. And they say, it's okay, it'll get better. But what you're saying is by connecting the hands together and moving it, that hand is, is the good hand is towing the bad hand, the bad arm. And there's probably something going on in the brain that's way more beneficial because the body really wants to be able to operate as as one force, not two separate right. things. So that is amazing. Um, yeah, so there, there's a lot of studies now that new neural pathways could be built through exercise, especially when you're crossing that center line. Boom, right. Um, of your body and switching the hands off from one to the other. Yeah. Um, with with weight, it, it takes a... It takes a lot more thought than just, you know, uh, regular band exercises to strengthen the muscle. And uh, the off-balanceness, uh, you know, the the brain is constantly has to talk to the body through the whole exercise. So there's a power there. And, you know, getting to the bottom of the science will probably be helping more people long before we have a study that shows. Yeah, right. What's happening. But something is there. Um, and so we're taking videotapes every week or two and seeing the, the, the progress and seeing what exercises help the most. Oh, that is excellent. I, I'm sure, you know, it's definitely going to lead to something. Um, you know, it's whatever, whatever it is, whenever you start introducing a, a mace to somebody and you see how happy they get and, and how interested they are and, and they, start, they start realizing how much depth and versatility it has, you could really see something wakening up. And it's a mental attitude. And um, what you're talking about combined with that, with this curiosity and everything, it's, it, yeah, you're training the brain a lot more than you would be if you're, like you just said, just yanking on a band or something like that, where the person's thinking about something else, they're thinking about going and having lunch, and they're just doing their reps and getting out of there. It forces you to focus more. That that that's fantastic. Have you guys uh, helped any athletes out with mace? Yeah, we um early on we uh when we were when we were more basically kettlebells, we work with um, amateur fighters um, for conditioning. But now with mace, um, soccer goaltenders uh, were the were the last two. Soccer goaltenders were a good study because. It kept them in that upright position. Mm -hmm. And when they move their feet, if they dip their shoulders, now the shooter has a bigger uh, goal to shoot at. Yeah. So they want to stay upright as much as possible when they're cutting down the angle. So we would have them go through their footwork with the mace and rack position, keeping their posture up so it's still loading them. And uh, we would have them go through these little patterns, maybe put three cones out, go in that direction, come back to the goal, go forward, then go off to the right, and have that um, – those footwork patterns going with the dynamic base and they did tremendous in um, then going through with their body weight and keeping their shoulders up and not feeling that tightness in their lower back because when you try to stay upright when you're moving your lower back gets tight yeah and also when your knees are bent your quads blow up right but the conditioning there for goaltenders was there their agility moving back and forth their ability to go in one direction and then change direction stop that force and change directions also increased so um any sports like football, soccer, where there's change of direction, um, mace should really be in their routines. I mean, I, we might be a few years away from that before people start catching on. Yeah. Any trainer that's working with mace now is going to wind up being on the right side of history because I, it's yep. another 12, 24 months, you'll, you'll probably start seeing it.
Yeah, and you know, interestingly enough, um, this just uh, resonates with me, what you're saying. I just had a conversation about baseball with somebody, and I don't know a lot about the injuries and everything, but I know sometimes pitchers really do a lot of damage to their arms. And I just learned that this is a, a very important thing that you could realize is that everybody thinks everything's been done already, but there's many great advances that are being made in athletics. So the pitchers sometimes suffer a injury where after the release of the ball, they, they damage their arm. I don't really know in which way, but I do know it's because they're not managing the force as they're letting go. They're supposed to be following through and slowing the arm down in the process, not just whipping it down. Because that's where the damage comes, because they kind of just like stop and and there's something that's happening. So they started training these guys with like, um, uh, I guess like a cloth bag with a weight in it. They have to throw it, but they don't let go of it. And then they have to manage as it swings back in and they have to slow it down. Otherwise, it's going to like smack them or something like that. Kind of like using a nunchuck or whatever, right? You got to kind of slow it down on the way in and this is helping them strengthen or rehab their arm and it's it's centrifugal movement you know and it's it this is something that you could do with a mace you know it's just you know like something right out of the new breed um uh, certification or whatever you know you're you're moving the mace like this and you have to wherever you're moving it you have to slow it down at some point and there's going to be a change of direction on top of that so um that ties in with what other things are going on in sports rehab. That's that's a fantastic concept to even think about. Um, yeah. I mean, I think what you were talking about, basically, um, it, you know, you nailed it because it transfers over into a lot of things. Is Most injuries come um, when the athlete can't decelerate the movement that, that's gone in. So they're either running so fast and they, they don't train laterally. They don't train the frontal plane. And they go to stop, and that's when a knee injury or ankle injury happens. Mm-hmm. It's from the the force slowing down, the pitcher trying to slow down the arm, not just letting his arm flail right. and and let the shoulder take that abuse. Um, and so, in every exercise, we always emphasize the control. Like, I can give two shits about a forty-inch box jump. I care if I hear the person land or not. If that person's landing like a ninja, yeah they're not going to get hurt. Right. They know how to decelerate that force. And and that's really, you know, should be emphasized in just about every exercise that you can emphasize it in. I have 50, 60-year-olds doing broad jumps, but all I care about is how they're landing. Yeah. I don't care about how far they're jumping or how high, um, but if they can land, if they can decelerate their weight, they're going to be able to train for longer. They're not going to get hurt. And, um, it's going to open up uh, avenues for them to get stronger because the brain senses that you could stabilize load. So it allows you to go heavier. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. This is, um, you know, not the first time on this podcast that we've talked about how training with a mace can help people in sports. And um, every conversation I've had on camera, off camera, wherever it's always, Yes, it's it's a benefit. It can help. It can help. And we're just a few years away from seeing it start breaking through. I agree with you on that 100%. So now let's say uh, somebody comes to you and 
they just want to train mace all the time. Or we're going to kind of like invert this now. Somebody would just wants to do mace and you're yeah. like, fine, that, let's do that. But after a while, they want to get better at it. Is there something they could do outside of mace that could support their mace training, another type of modality or something that yeah. would make them better? Okay, at absolutely. So, um, so I'll answer the question both ways. If I was dropped on a desert island with only one piece of equipment, I would go with the mace because there's so much we can do with it. Yeah. But to flip it the other way, okay, they're doing mace and they're starting, you know, they're starting to get what we call pattern recognition. Like they're, right. um, they're able to go through all the movements, control them. How heavy do you want them to go? They're already using the 25 pound mace. Well, now I want them to, you know, superset their, you know, their shovels, their, their power shovels with chin-ups. I want them to superset, uh, you know, their, their mace shot puts with maybe some heavy dumbbell presses. So there's always somewhere to go and there's always that, that stacking of exercises that's going to be the key in the end uh, of progression. Not just going heavier, but stacking better exercises together that create better results. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. So I, I love that. You know, it, it, it's a backfeeding process and, and yeah, you want to get better at moving a mace. There, there's ways to do that. And um, makes your training more exciting too. And I think once once a person finds something they like and they do it for a while, they're going to become more open minded to doing other things. Um, as they, you know, you just your mind opens more. I, I think it's a, a a fantastic gateway into fitness too. Um, some people, yeah, some people just don't want to sit on a machine. Or they don't want to bench press. They don't, you know, I get it. You know, I mean, some people just, they have what they like or they have a, a preconceived notion and you have to help them get around that. And whatever it is that gets them going is, is always a good thing. And build off of that, make that the center of their fitness program, but then add on to it, enhance it. That's, that's great. So, and I'm guessing, I'm guessing, uh, Fred, the most people that watch your podcast are into mace or they're doing some type of uh, personal training or kettlebell trainers. Yeah. When someone doesn't want to do an exercise, the la you know, as trainers, you don't want to tell your client who's paying you, <laughs> no, like, no, this is what you're doing. That's yeah. a, a bad way to have a relationship. It's it's pacing and leading. It's it's giving them a little of what they you know a little of what they want, but making sure they're still getting what they need. So. You know, if they don't want to bench press, maybe say, hey, you know what? I, you know, I'm not big on the barbell bench press either. How about you try this neutral grip dumbbell bench press? Right. You know, always finding an option for them without, you know, you don't want to say, hey, listen, you're wrong. Your, your notion about this exercise is it's crazy. It happened to one guy and that's it. Um, but you still want to respect their opinion because if the person's fearful of it or um, already have um, a preconceived outcome that they're going to get hurt doing it, then just find a different variation to um, get that pattern. We, in our gym, we don't really, um, Ileana and I don't look at exercises as exercises. We look at it as movement patterns. A, a squat, I can I can care how you do it. I, I like double rack kettlebell um, for a front squat. I think that's the hardest way to go. Um, but if someone, you know, wants to do dumbbell and someone wants to do it this way, it's, it's, it's fine. Um, whatever they're comfortable with, but... Um, we look at his movement patterns. I don't care if it's a deadlift. I don't care if it's a ground zero. I don't care if it's a kettlebell swing. I'm going to have hip extension in um, 
in the routine. Yeah. So um, we don't look at it as one exercise. We just look at it as let's just get this pattern done. Yeah. And some people just aren't built for certain exercises. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And there's got to be ways to to get around that. So having the versatility and, and you know, your gym, you have kettlebells, mace, um, dumbbells. Um, do you find that sometimes people are like, let's say somebody comes in and, and they're working with kettlebells. They're more open to grabbing a mace and then vice versa. If they come in and use a mace, they're more open to grabbing kettlebells. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they're basically hand in hand. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, and, and they're probably all your listeners too. Um, it's a different, it's a different type of, um, it's even a different type of respect for exercise. People that love kettlebells, they love the movements of the kettlebell. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a little skill development that you got to get going there with the hand and how you punch through whatever it is that you're doing. Right. So yeah, absolutely. When, when you hand them a mace and say, well, this is how your hands should move that they're already open to that because they got it from the kettlebells. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the two are very similar. Um, when we did a, a seminar and we talked with Steve Cotter, it was a good uh, mix because you had a, a one handed strength object and then a two handed strength object. So um, kettlebell and mace are a good combination to go together. Yeah. If you're making a garage gym, they're probably the first two things you should have. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I did visit your gym, like I said earlier, and I, I met some of your people. Can you can you talk about your your uh, your gym community that you have? It seems like you have like a, if uh, it looks like a family. I mean, it's it's really cool, and and everybody's sort of like on the same page, you know, and they all like got each other's back and everything. Can you talk about them a little bit and where they ca- came from and you know what their backgrounds are? Like you know, just the general type of yeah. Um, we um we started in a in a. It basically a, a small town. So we had a, a, a really good niche of the community come join us. And we were very, um, Lily and I were very, very fortunate um, early on to really get the right people. I mean, they wanted to see us succeed. So um, they referred people. Everyone loved working out together. And you know what? It just grew and grew. And just the way the people are there, the right people stay. And if it's not for you, when you come in, you know it's not for you. If you're yeah. the type of person that you want to look at yourself in the mirror and, and, and take seven pictures of yourself while you're working out, you're going to leave. You're, it's, not, it's not the gym for you. Yeah. Um, if you want to work out hard and you want to make you know, 10 more great friends um, that you're going to have for a lifetime, then you wind up staying at the gym. We have, I mean, just ridiculously good people in our gym, and our success is 100% related to the people that came into our gym. Yeah. So um, the one thing we get asked the most, and probably our 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 business, our, our for business wise, our business. I don't know if I can say those two words together. <laughs> biggest and business. Come on, try. Um, I'm gonna try. Our biggest business success, bang, there nailed you. it. Um, is our retention we have a i mean a good amount of people that are well over a decade with us that's terrific training and um you know when you look at the stats you know keeping someone six months to a year is tough yeah in uh, the training business yeah and uh, the amount of people that we have five years seven years ten years is just um 
it's 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 really a, a great thing. Now, is that anything that you purposely worked at to to have that effect? There's there's a few things that I think um, you know add to it. Well, but number one is um, if there's trainers that are starting now. Um, you know, you see businesses set up two ways now. You see it set up like I'm going to um, market the hell out of it. Once I get people, I'm going to start a second one and I'm going to leave someone here to run this one. Right. And I just don't think that you'll ever have long term success that way. Um, you have to know your clients and you have to love what you do. So someone might mention a problem they're having. And during the day, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter how long it takes. I'm going to look up, you know, a solution to that problem. So the next day I have some type of answer for them. Um, you know, make sure that no matter what's going on in your client's life that, you know, you remember what's going on. And, you know, when we have people come in, um, we'll work with younger trainers. And I tell them, I said, listen, you want to be successful in this business? Watch Lily from the time someone comes in to the time they leave and watch how she interacts with them. Yeah. They come in, their their shoulders are all slumped. They're coming in from work. Maybe they had a bad day, but they're leaving, laughing, having a good time, yelling bye to everyone. Yeah. And, you know, Lily won't have it any other way. It'll mm. it'll hurt her if she doesn't make that happen. That's what she likes to do. Yeah. So we love what we do. We, you know, I mean, you've been to our gym. We work seven days a week here. Yeah. For us to hook up, I, you know, I, I, I must have, I must have ditched on you like, 40 times oh like, yeah. yeah this month yeah, yeah this month right and i'm like man i i told lily i said oh man listen lily make this happen because if you know fred's gonna come down here and just punch me in the face <laughs> but yeah. uh yeah you, you know you have to put in the time and um and if you love what you do and you care about the clients they're gonna stay yeah you know it yeah. doesn't it doesn't matter um you know how many marketing tricks you know or you know if you know how to um do a referral program. If you're good at what you do, you're going to get referred. Yeah. That's right. it. Be good at what you do. We call it sharpening your ax. Make sure your skills are up. Constantly be um, learning new stuff. You know, I watch other instructors instruct. At least once a day, I'll put something on where I'll watch someone teach something. It might not be in fitness. It might be somewhere else. But I'll watch how they teach. And I model it because, I, you know, success leaves clues. And if you're really good at what you do, you'll get referred. Yeah. Yeah, and and also if you're new and you're starting a gym or some type of business, it, it once you get your clients, even if it's just a few of them, it's more um, efficient to retain your clients than try to constantly go out and get new clients. You're going to expend more time, energy, and and money trying to get new clients. And in the process, you may lose the ones you have. And you just hit the nail on the head. By focusing on them, you're going you're gonna to retain them. And then they're going to be so excited that they found you and they're going to be seeing results that it's just a matter of time before they will get you your future business rather than you have to constantly go out and beat the bushes. I, I think that's good. So you're talking about patience and then you're talking about uh being personable and and social and and having social skills and 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 caring about the people you have and that's those are those are huge traits to have and i also liked that you said that you watch how other people teach and you look for clues um you know 
that's a fantastic thing to hear about you because it really goes to show how far you're digging into this to deliver the best experience and the best quality to your clients. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, you know, they, they, they use the term modeling. Um, and I was very, uh, fortunate Fred from age seven to 14, they call that the modeling stage where you, you kind of like get your heroes in life and you kind of model yourself after them. You find, you find what you're good during that time. I was in martial arts. I started martial arts when I was seven. And um, my jujitsu instructor was an entrepreneur, and he was at the time really starting to push and, and try to promote jujitsu. So from age seven right through my early 20s, he took me everywhere. He took me to seminars. We did halftime shows for the Nets games, and um, I probably did, I would say, well over 50 seminars. He would come to my school when I was in grammar school and come pick me up from grammar school, pull me right out of class, say, oh, we got to do a seminar. Nice. And um, – I didn't realize it then, but that gave me a huge head start. I got to watch someone teach, someone um, do something other than the normal nine to five. So um, I was really spoon fed from an early age and during an influential time. So I really, I think I had that in my brain already. So I had a little bit of a head start. Mm -hmm. And now that I realize that, I try to teach that um, that to other people, you know, um, we talk about IQ and EQ and EQ being more emotional intelligence, how you talk to people, how you can relate to people. Right. Um, and that's super important. And to work on it every day is um, probably an under underused skill. And you see people that are really high EQ like Lily um, and how she interacts with people. And if you're the type of person that could bring somebody up and, and, and constantly, um, pick up on when people are, are starting to get a little bit down you'll be good in this business yeah wow good advice man that's awesome seems like you have uh some really in-depth knowledge there about th these particular subjects um i wish the we could do the podcast longer to dig into that is that the type of stuff that you could talk about more in depth on, a, on another episode like in the future just that alone yeah absolutely i think that's an episode on its own um we talk about the three M's um, so, and mindset, metabolism, and movement. So nice. I want the best movements for our clients. Um, metabolism is, is making sure that they have um, a decent diet and um, you know, they, that, they're, that they understand what's going to slow their metabolism and what's going to speed it up. Mm -hmm. And then mindset. Mindset really is, is, is everything. In the future, so we talked about the future. Um, Trainers are going to have to know more about mindset. They're going to have to know more about how to talk to clients um, and, and, and learn these skills. So, listen, I would love to come on. We'll talk about uh, success mindset and with business and with uh, fitness. All right. It's a date. I definitely want to do that with you. So who knows when that'll be? I know you're busy, but we will make it happen. We'll listen, definitely it, make it this, happen. This was a good time. It, Lily set this up for me because I, I don't even know how to use the phone. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> right, right, right. Focus so, on you know your what? strengths. So, that's right. <laughs> that's all right. You know what? You text Lily and, and she'll make it happen. All right. Very good. So, Dan, let's uh, tell everybody where they can reach you, how they can find you, how they can train with you, and about your certification. Um, if, you, if anybody wants to get a new breed certification, you could do it online. You could um, do it at your own pace. Uh, I did it. It was great. It's a follow-along video and everything. So, yeah, give everybody your social media and 
and how they could uh, connect with all that. Okay, so anyone who's close to us uh, near like the New York, New Jersey area, um, we're in Lodi, New Jersey. We're 172 Garibaldi. Um, you come down and see us. Um, but Instagram is probably the best way to message me on Instagram. Um, so New Breed HQ, mm-hmm. New Breed Fitness HQ is our gym. And uh, you can message me there. And um, also New Breed Maysbell. Uh, we have the Instagram there, which is all Maysbell. Um, either one you can message me on right now. The website is, um, not up for the certification cause we're going to kind of revamp it a little bit. Okay. I would like to have both available cause we have the athletic development certification as well. And we have the basic certification of basic coaches. And I want to kind of offer that for people that want to do it all in one shot. Mm-hmm. So I want to revamp it a little bit, but we'll have that back out as well. Okay. Do and, you know uh, when that'll be out? Um, I'm not really sure. Um, but I'll tell you what. When it is, I'll make sure that's when we come back on the show. How about that? Okay, sounds is that good. Cool? Yeah, let's yeah let's do that. All right. So that's it. Uh, you know, if if anybody's looking to connect with Dan or Lily over at New Breed, um, and you're anywhere near New Jersey, it's worth the trip. Um, I probably drove, I don't know, forty minutes in traffic. There's a little bit of traffic on the Parkway there, but it was worth it. Um, you know, just to go up there and see you guys. And I definitely intend on visiting you again. I just want to go and get a, like a workout in there once in a while. So, uh, yeah, look look up Dan, look up Lily, new breed, check him out. And uh, stay tuned for when you reintroduce the certification. It's worth it uh, for people to, to take. It's um, definitely helpful and you learn a lot. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Fred, thank you so much for having me, brother. Absolutely. And we will do it again. Have a good day. You got it.